Jeremiah, the fourth chapter. Jeremiah, chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 5 through 7. Pastor is really going to need your prayers this morning to, to help me. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, Blow the trumpet in the land. Cry, gather together and say, Assemble yourselves. Look to your David and say, We've got to come together. And let us go into the fortified cities. Set up the standard toward Zion. Take refuge. Set up the standard toward Zion. Take refuge. Do not delay. For I will bring disaster from the north and great destruction. The lion has come up from his thicket. And the destroyer of nations is on his way. He has gone forth from his place to make your land desolate. Your cities will be laid waste without inhabitant. I'm going to focus on verse 6, the part that says, Set up the standard toward Zion, take refuge, do not delay. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to you today. I'm asking humbly for your grace and your mercy and blessings to be added to this word that we read today. I'm asking, God, that you will take hold this, uh, uh, this man that I am and use me for the next few minutes, God, as your vessel to speak words that you would have this congregation of people to hear today. Help us, God. He that hath an ear... To hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. I had a lot of difficulties in trying to come up with a title. Uh, the most important part about a message is not the title anyway. It's, it's, uh, it's what's in it. It's the substance. But... To be able to say anything of what I'll be talking about, it would be lifting high the banner of Christ. Lifting high the banner of Christ. Praise the Lord. I don't believe nobody is here by accident today. I don't believe nobody's here by happenstance. I believe this is a timely word for the hour in which we are all living in. What I'm beginning to say and talk about for the next few minutes is something that's going to affect everybody in this room. Not only everybody in this room, but those that are on the outside of the room, though they, they don't know it, but it's going to affect them. I would like to start off, first of all, by telling you that I believe that God's people are people of faith. And that through, through that faith which God has given, we should always maintain a positive and optimistic outlook and attitude on life. I don't 
like, and I don't believe in all the gloom and the doom and, and all that that you hear uh, uh, by some. I think that we should stay positive and be optimistic and have that kind of attitude because we are people of faith. And to be frank, I do not like preaching what God has placed on my heart today. I'd rather rather speak just about on any other thing. But I'm under a mandate by the Holy Ghost. God has placed me here for such a time in which we're living in. And the things that are happening and transpiring worldwide today, not because that I'm brighter or educated or, or, or whatever, but there are things that the Spirit of God shows me that I feel like a lot of people don't see and understand when they read the news titles and the headlines that's coming across the banners today. I, will, I like to stay positive. I like to stay, keep a faith. But our optimism should never cause us to ignore the signs of the time. Neither should we pretend that nothing is wrong with the course that we see our nation and the whole world taking. The church of Jesus Christ should prepare for war because the battle of the ages is now upon us and our redemption is drawing nigh. We are now living in the most dangerous times that our nation has ever seen in the course of our short history. We stand in the throes of disaster, equal to the days prior to the downfall of Israel, as recorded in the text that we have just read. Israel had left Jehovah God completely out of the picture in spite of the way that he had blessed them and multiplied them. It finally came down to the time where God said, Take refuge, disaster is coming. The lion has come up from the thicket. Church, it's time to take cover and to do whatever is necessary to prepare for an invasion which is already attacking virtually all the Christian uh, uh, American values which has made this nation great and strong. American pastors have already been jailed in this country for their stand against abortion and the agenda of the gay rights movement. The church of Jesus Christ should prepare for war because the battle of the ages is here. We're not waiting for it. It's here. It's already happening. I'm not talking about a battle that we pick up and lift up uh, with natural arms. But this is a spiritual warfare because there are great cultural clashes coming together and explosions are taking place across our land. And everything that you see in the news and on the papers points to what God has already said in Revelation and in Daniel and Ezekiel and some of the other prophets. We need to understand, church, 
culture that we don't have in the time that we used to have. That the day is growing short. Jesus is soon coming and persecution of the church in this country is beginning right now. Hallelujah. Somebody says, Pastor, you're just trying to scare us. Well, I'm going to tell you what. If I can scare you into doing something, so be it. It's time that some kind of way that people wake up, hallelujah, and we look to the reality that's going on and quit daydreaming, amen, and pretending this ain't important and that ain't important because I'm here to tell you, your soul is very well important. God cares about you. He cares about you more than your mama did or your daddy did. Amen. Anybody else, he cared enough about you to send his only son to hang on a cross and to bleed you to die so you don't have to burn in hell. Hallelujah. Somebody has got to lift the banner high. Somebody it's got to be willing to take a stand and do not let what's already happening how that we've got people in our nation's capital and in the local capital down right downtown here that's trying to run over like a steamroller everything we've ever believed and practiced. Hallelujah. Praise God. There are two things that I want to talk about. The first area that I'm going to talk about is what the change is all about. We hear everybody talking about change. We're going to talk about what the change is all about, and then we're going to talk about taking shelter in Jesus. Taking shelter in Jesus. The whole course of the recent election was wrapped around the word change. But the motive behind the word reveals the change taking place is not a change for the good, but a change for the very, uh, but a change of the very core and foundation that this nation and land was founded on. Brother Darrell, every day now, we got people with 16 pound sledgehammers swinging at the foundation of this nation, tearing at the smithereens, hallelujah, pounding at the foundation of the Christian faith, tearing the foundations of the gospel of Christ all the, all the pieces. I opened my Bible the other day, just, just the other day, and found a script, verse of scripture in the book of Psalms that said, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the people do? Hallelujah. Amen. You might have a house today that's got a problem in the wall. You might have a house today that's got a problem in the roof. You might have a house that's got a problem in the plumbing. Amen. Or something else. But everything else, amen, you can fix. Amen. Relative easy until the house, until the foundation of that house, amen, crumbles and falls underneath it. If that happens, then you don't have a house. Hallelujah. So I want to talk just a little bit about what this change is all about. I want to talk about the change 
that, are, that is now being crammed down our throat that we are no longer a Christian nation. I don't care. What your thoughts is with politics, it don't matter. Be a Democrat or Republican or an Independent. Your nationality doesn't matter. The color don't matter. And all of that is irrelevant. Every bit of it. But folks, America's got problems. Any time that its president goes to other countries around the world, and as I flipped on a station one day just past week and heard our president tell the people in that, those other countries that America is not a Christian nation. America is not a Christian nation. America is a nation of Christians, of Muslims, and of Jews. America is not a Christian nation. Folks, there was a trembling come over me that I couldn't control. Tears began to pour down my face. I turned around to my wife and I said, Honey, I said, This man is sealing our doom. He's sealing our doom. Hallelujah. I want you to know something. Hallelujah. The current mindset. Amen. Of these, uh, uh, of all these minds today, uh, is to manufacture a total secular society. And to do so, they need to eliminate the Christian faith, which has led this nation since its founding. Hallelujah. They don't want you to know the truth. Recently, there was millions of dollars spent in Washington, D.C. to build a new welcome center where all tourists can come and they go into first. They don't want to take them in to the Capitol building first or some of the other buildings, amen, there that has been built, amen, and it's been standing there, amen, for hundreds of years because if you go into the Capitol building, if you go into the Supreme Court, amen, look at however you'll see a man by the, by the name of Moses. The Ten Commandments in his hands. Amen. And we just know that the laws of this nation was built on the principles of the Ten Commandments. Hallelujah. They don't want people to know that. They want us to forget it. So they've spent millions of dollars to build a visiting center to go in that tells the history of this nation. And they, they, uh, what I read and what I found out, there's not one ounce nowhere of anything religious, amen, or about the belief of God whatsoever in our history. I'm here to tell you, folks, the reason why the pilgrims left, amen, the other land and came over here was so they could have religious freedom to worship God, amen. It was a Christian faith. It was not 
not a Muslim faith. It was not Hindu faith. It was a Christian faith. Anybody with one eye and a thimble full of, just a thimble full of, full of sense should be able to figure out that it is our Christian values and what we have held dear to all this time that's made this nation in a very short period of time grow to be the most powerful, the most wealthiest, the most blessed nation on the planet. Hallelujah. But we're tearing it all out, piece by piece. Man, this past week, my, my, my computer at home has been running so much. Amen. It's, all, it's almost, I thought it was going to burn out. Man, I was getting emails from uh, uh, the Christian Law Association, from the American Family Association, from other pastors, everything, and everybody saying, do you see what's going on? And tell you about this and right that. Amen. Somebody clicked on, uh, and uh, on one of them, and one of one of the associations, to uh, where our, our president went to a university here in America, and they in Georgetown, and in the building where he was going to be speaking, there was the name of Jesus, Amen, up on the wall, and the people from the White House sent the university a message saying that they need to get everything about religion and the name of Jesus out of the way before Obama comes and speaks. And they did it without thinking twice. Compromise and roll up. Do it away with what we have found out. What's it mean? I'm telling you, disaster is coming for this land. It's going to hit. You ain't going to stand there and slap the Lord in the face too long. Sooner or later, you're going to slap He's got so much love and grace and long-suffering, he allows a lot of stuff. Just like Israel. When, when, when Jeremiah the prophet, God spoke to Jeremiah, and he wrote this. He says, enough is enough. I've taken all this I'm going to take. You better take refuge. You better come together because I've allowed the lion to come that's been hid in the thicket. It's coming out. We're ready to devour. And folks, it's headed for us. I preach a lot on prophecy. And you've heard me make the statement a lot of times down through the years that the day might come somebody might come in sit on the back pews of this church and after the message come and arrest me and take me downtown uh, Christian Law Association I didn't hear about it on the news. I got, I got it after the fact. But today, this pastor 
name is on a list. With members of Akata, terrorists, One, because I believe in Christian, the conservative Christian beliefs. But two, most of all, I'm a member of the pro-life movement. I was elected president of Cheatham County Right to Life a few years back. The people in Cheatham County elected me, and I, uh, and I, uh, and I, and I served uh, until I, 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 last year, I, I told them I was going to have to step down. We we're going to have to elect somebody else because we were beginning to build a church building and everything else. I didn't have the time to properly take care of all I needed to take care of. But the, the lady who's now over our homeland security sent out a memo and a statement calling anybody who believes in the conservative Christian beliefs, pro-life movement, or into these other, what she says, extremist right-wing organizations are to be monitored. Well, I'm like Brother Travis. I don't, I don't, I don't pick up and I don't, I don't run with everything I get on the internet. So uh, I typed in uh, Department of Homeland Security dot gov and went on the main and I and I read it <laughs> and guess what <laughs> we're right there with people like Timothy McVeigh she actually calls his name she says all you right wing extremists have the same tendency for violence as Timothy McVeigh or and we are obligated Makes no difference if you're a veteran and you fought for this land or not. They're monitoring everybody. After 9/11, Homeland Security was created to to monitor the known terrorists to try to keep them from making any other attacks in this nation. But now they've taken that same place, uh, same thing, and they've taken it and, and used it now. That I found out, you know, that any time just because that I'm, my, they got a list of all the names of any anybody that's in any kind of organization like that. And anybody's on that list, they can, they can tap your phone lines anytime they want to. Do anything. They said that it's going to be monitored. Folks, all this stuff we've been hearing preached about for years, it's right here. We're at the end time. Uh, we are quickly losing the religious freedoms that we've always had. I mean, they're fastly going out the door. Somebody's got to lift high the banner. Somebody's got to pledge an allegiance to the Lamb. Hallelujah. On the radio yesterday, I listened to an interview of a black pastor in a Midwestern state who in the month of May, this pastor decided to go out to the abortion clinic in their city, and he just he just stood on the sidewalk, off to the side. He was not blocking the entrance. He was not antagonizing 
uh, anybody. He was just simply holding a sign that read to the to the young girls going inside that was fixing to have an abortion to take their life. There is an alternative. Please let me talk to you about it. He was arrested, taken downtown, and he spent 19 days in jail before they finally got him out. Amen. Folks, because of the way we stand and preach the truth, they say we're extremists. They say we're hate haters. If it ain't time for you to get concerned, what else has got to happen for you to get concerned? If enough hadn't happened for you to get me business about God and begin to pray and say, God, I need to get closer to you, what's going to have to happen to make you make that choice and that decision? I love this nation. I'm proud to be called an American. I'm so thankful that I, 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 could, have been, I could have been born in Haiti and had to be, uh, when I was a child, like a lot of little children, like I've been person over and seen them digging through the, the garbage heaps trying to find something to eat for that day. And, and I love this book right here. And it's because of my love for this book and what it's founded on. And it's because of my love for this nation and what this nation was founded on. Makes me stand and declare what is right and what is wrong. I don't want nobody mad at me and upset with me uh, or nothing like that. But I have a mandate from God when He told me to go preach. Uh, amen. And talk the truth. I've got to do it. What happens to me is irrelevant. It don't matter. It happened to the early church. It happened to the Apostle Paul, who was a far greater man than me. He had his head taken off because he preached the same gospel that I'm preaching today. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, not only do I love this country, not only do I love this world, I love you and your soul. If I didn't have it, I wouldn't spend my life, amen, preaching. Amen. I would get out there and in a career, amen, where I could make better money and had a better home and drove a better car. But that stuff never has meant nothing to me. I've always put the church first. I've always put the crowd first. I've I want to see people saved. I want to see people's lives changed. We got to lift high the banner. We got to lift high the banner. Not only is it's a change from a Christian nation. It's a change from a free market to socialism. It seems like that the government today seeks to control every aspect of industry, health, education, and religion. The changes which has already transpired would make our system unrecognizable if any of our founding fathers would appear today. Now, some might say, well, why? What would make a pastor want to talk about this? Well, the reason that it is necessary for ministers to preach 
against this change is because it is leading us head on into a new world order, which will eventually be ruled through the Antichrist system. Once the government has say-so and owns everything in all of our lives, it will not be a problem at all to cause you not to be able to buy or sell or do anything unless you have the mark and the number of the beast, which is swiftly coming, which is swiftly coming. Hallelujah. We got to realize what's going on around us. And we got to decide which side we're going to be on. What are you advocating, Pastor? I'll tell you what I'm advocating. I'm advertising that we pray, that we seek God. And most, most of all, I'm advocating that when you go out there in the world, on your job or in your neighborhood or wherever you may be, when there's some kind of voice speaks up against any of these values and stuff that what I'm talking about, that you not be a coward and be willing to stand and say, no, that's not right. Hallelujah. That's why the early church had many of them gave their lives. That's why madman leaders like Nero, who, according to history, was the one who lit the match and burnt down Rome, and because it the Senate and very ones beginning to, to to find out that it was Nero himself wanted to clear a bunch of land so there was something he wanted to get built. He placed the blame on the Christians for lighting the fire that destroyed Rome in 64 A.D., which issued in a great persecution. And they rounded up men, women, mothers, children, and they put poles along the roads, every road going in and out of Rome for miles. It was, it was hundreds of them. And they tied them to the poles. And they took what they called back then pitch, which we know is tar. And they would paint it on them from their head to their feet, men, women, and little children. And they would light them and they would burn like human torches. As, as this madman by the name of Nero rode up, history says, rode up and down the streets in his chariots laughing as the people were screaming until they couldn't scream no more. Why? Because they said they were followers of Christ. They were believers. And they wouldn't willing. You know what? Here's one thing that's always left out a lot of times. The song, she sung, sung about it. If a person was accused of being a Christian, it was automatically a death sentence during those years. But if you was brought before the trial, they would say, are you willing to recant? Are you willing to say, I deny Christ as my Lord? And you're going to go over there and you're going to bow down to one of those false gods of Rome. And you're going to worship it. We're going to turn you loose and let you go back home to your wife and your children. If you just recant. 
A lot of them recanted. A lot of them says, I'll do it. But the big majority says, I can't do it. Because there's something inside me besides religion. There's a relationship here. They refused, even at the face of torture and death, to walk away. And they were burnt at the stake, fed to lions in the Colosseum of Rome. I got I got a book of history, Fox's Book of Martyrs. They, they would take the small babies and children of the women, Brother Kenneth, who were Christians. They would they would slaughter some big animal that had a pretty good sized stomach. And they would take that stomach out and they would put the babies inside that stomach and tie it up and that bloody stomach with that child inside then pitch it into the arena and turn the wild animals on it while the wild animals went after it and ate it up alive with the parents tied up being forced to watch. But there was a church through all the persecution, through all the trials, that Nero couldn't step out. Nero died a long time ago, but for the Bible, the church is still alive and well. In fact, I'll tell you, uh, history is my best subject, and I, and, I, um, uh, and I love studying. I'll tell you that every time that the pressure is put on the church, it's the days that the church has grown the most. It's the days that the church, and I'm hearing now from pastors all over the country, people are beginning to come back in because they see what's going on with the economy. They don't know where to turn to. They're scared and they're worried. They don't know where. And many, many people are turning back to the church. People ain't been there for you. Because listen, let me tell you something. Amen. You might say one thing, but deep down inside your heart, you know what the truth is. You know what your only hope is. You know what your only way out is. And it's Jesus Christ. I'm fixing the clothes. I want to talk briefly about taking a shelter in Jesus. Church, our only hope, our only refuge is in the faith, in the same faith and beliefs which have kept us all along. Nothing has changed in regards to faith, the church, and His love for us. But we must be prepared to pray to God for the courage to stand the test which lay ahead. We can never compromise or allow anyone to change our values and faith. God's word states, and let me let me. I want to share something with you right now, and listen to this close, because this scripture is quoted a lot of times and pulled out of context to prove another uh, truth in the Bible about how that we got we got to keep our salvation intact and that you know it's possible 
uh, to lose what you have in God. And there, there's a verse of Scripture that's taken out of context of which is written to prove that point. But in the 24th chapter of Matthew, that whole chapter is talking about the end time and the tribulation period. That's the context. That's the subject matter. It's not talking about whether or not uh, I give up uh, uh, Christ for my salvation or I can lose my faith. It's talking about all the perils and all the troubles and the trials and the persecution that's going to happen at the end time right before the coming of Christ in the tribulation period. All those things Jesus said was going to come to pass. And Jesus says, in the midst of all that, He says, He that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. Letting us know that when we see all these things happening, when all these things are going on around us, we got to know that we got to hold out. We got to hold on. We got to endure. We might have to suffer. We might have to, we might have to shed a little blood. Amen. But we've got to hold on. We've got to endure to the end because our only refuge, our only hope is in Jesus Christ. And as they come and get ready to sing, I would speak to anybody here who has never called on the Lord Jesus Christ and repented of your sins. You've never knelt at an altar and from your heart. Praise God. I confess that I'm lost. I confess I'm a sinner. I want to repent of all my wrongs. I repent of my sins. I want to serve you from this day. I want to invite you to come into my heart and my life. And I want to pledge my allegiance to you. If you ain't never prayed a prayer like that or similar to that, where you pray repentance. I beg you today, I want you to come and do so. Because we got to have some people that's going to pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ.